And we're back. It's all clickbait nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Baptist Church has voted to accept the LGBT community, putting them actually at odds now with many in their denomination. Churches are a cornerstone of American life. Do you know what the internet desperately needs? More clickbait. clickbait. I'm Chris Prince, and this is Clickbait Church, a podcast about culture, how the church fits into it, and what we can learn from each other. Listen up. You won't believe your ears. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be a more of a relaxed episode. I've got my friend Brandon Kermins here and we have no agenda, no idea what we're going to talk about. I've got one question idea and we're just going to run with it and see what happens. So uh, just, you know, come along for the ride. Brandon, how's it going? Pretty good. Let's talk about uh, something we, we've kind of briefly talked about before in the past. Um, not a ton, but um, you went to Bible college. I did not. Um, I did visit Bible college once that I can, I'll probably tell that story at some point. Uh, I looked at going, um, but you actually attended and did you graduate? I did not graduate. No. All right. So we'll find out more about that of the why, but let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, now you're much older than me. Can you remind me how many years? Like a year, like nine. Wow. Just kidding. Um, but you, so you did go to Bible college in what year? Oh, let's see. I think I started in, uh, oh man, that would have been the fall, I think, of 99 maybe. Okay. So, so you, how many years did you go? So I, I think I, I think I almost finished my first year and then I, I left after that. All right. So you lasted like maybe seven months or something. Yeah. Something months. like that okay. now, but, but, but I also moved in before the school year started. Okay. Cause I worked, uh, I was on the security team. They actually called it the Bubba Crew. Sweet. And because uh, the guy that that led the team, he called everyone Bubba, no matter who you were. So they awesome. like made us T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of cool. That's awesome. I still have that T-shirt. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, cool. So let's let's talk about Bible college and let's talk about kind of like ministry. Um, and, and we're not even necessarily talking about being pastors or even being preachers. We're just talking about ministry in general. And some of it we'll get to kind of the we'll, – we'll talk a little bit about being a preacher and what that means. But um, let's talk about like what that means going to Bible college, Why? Why? Is, what, what the perspective you had getting there and how much that changed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just jump into it, man. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so first, I guess uh, – without taking too much time, uh, going into like the buildup of why I, I ended up at Bible college. Um, I went through a period of life that I didn't want anything to do with church at all. And so I had no desire whatsoever to be involved in church. And, um, so if you would have told me that I was going to end up going to Bible school, I would have probably laughed at you. Um, but then later on in my, um, later on in my, um, let's see, uh, teenage years, maybe 16-ish, I would say, I really, um, I got connected with a guy named uh, Charles Beaver, who was already in Bible college. Okay. And uh, he is one of the um, greatest people that I've ever known in my life. He impacted me greatly. But uh, uh, anyway, he pastors a church called The Live Church, if anybody wants to check that out. Um, but anyway... He was uh, he came to our church uh, because the way Bible school was set up at that time is you would 
come to Bible school and you would go to a local church. And he chose our church to be his local church. So that's the way we got connected. And um, because we were friends, he invited me to uh, attend a lot of the Bible school events. And at that time, I did start to feel God put a or really um, begin to cultivate a call in my life that I that I already believed was there. And uh, because of that, he would take me to all these events with him because we became pretty good friends. And so they had these choir events that would go to different churches and things like that. And he would um, they would let him do a lot of the um, conducting of the choir. And he was like a real rambunctious, like all over the place guy. Everybody loved him. They called him Beave. Um, and he would get up there and just jump and dance. If you know anything about like Pentecostal charismatic type churches in general, you know, you're yeah. lively yeah. And, and everything. And he was real lively. And uh, so he introduced me to so many people. So before I ever went to Bible school, I knew a lot of the people. I had spent some weekends um, at the campus and um, I really began to feel because of that, that that would be a place that my relationship with God would probably not only develop, but I felt like I would get some training that I needed. Yeah. Now, did you had you already felt a call to ministry or you were just feeling a call for more? Um, well, it, it really was both. So when I was a, when I was a small kid, um, probably, oh, I don't know, like six, seven years old, um, uh, it was one of those things that I just knew. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, there was always something inside me that was like, I felt that God wanted me to be involved in ministry in some aspect. Now, yeah. that's not to say I thought I was going to be a preacher or anything like that, but but to be involved in ministry. Um, and then because I began to look at religion as I got older from a standpoint of this is just a bunch of rules. And, and Which religion is. Right, right. And then as you, as you know, I, I grew up in a very conservative environment, so um, – the older you get as a kid, you know, you, you're, you can only be told you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this so many times as a kid without any kind of context before you'll look at it from a standpoint of, I don't want anything to do with this. Um, and so even though I still felt that I, I began to push away from that, um, into my, um, early teenage years and, and really kind of stayed away from it. Even though in the back of my mind, I was like, I, I really need to redirect uh, and, and God would do little things. Yeah. So you decided to go to Bible college and enrolled in 1999. And how, how did, what was your first impression? What was that first week like? It was nothing like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. What, what did you think it was going to be? So, uh, uh, and I'm just going to be truthful and then, uh, well, I, I don't, so. yeah, I don't want the audience to feel like this is critical. So there, there is a silver lining here. So, but in my mind, I imagined this environment where every person there loved Jesus so much and they wanted just to go there and learn about Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, high five Jesus. And then because of that, they would just love each other so much and almost hold hands in the courtyard and sing Kumbaya together. And right. And uh, then you'd go to class and everybody would help each other study. And right. so it's totally not um, a realistic expectation yeah. <laughs> at all. Right. 
<laughs> and and as you can guess, what I what I found was the total opposite of all of that. Right. So what so what was that first week? Tell me tell me like something that like really stuck out in your mind that you were like, wait, what? Yeah. So um, the first week. We, the first week we, we get checked in, we go to all the classes and, and I go to um, um, a math class and I sat there and the whole time I'm there going, I didn't come here for math. Yeah. I, I came here to learn more about Jesus. And so I, I was kind of just, I was disengaged. And then my next class was like an English class. Yeah. And then I was like, what, what? I came here to learn about Jesus. So I, that that was my first week was was around where's the theology classes where where's the this kind of stuff and and then that's when I found out that as a freshman um, you did have some theology classes but at at the time the campus because of some accreditation things that they were working on um, more of what we were geared towards um, I would say probably maybe fifty percent of what we were doing was was non theological. Yeah. And so that kind of took me back because that was a change that year was like a change for the school, if I remember correctly. Um, and then in, in addition to that, when I would go to the dorm rooms and things like that, um, what I was finding was the conversations that people were having were totally not what I expected. Yeah. Um, the people who were talking about, (coughs) The Bible or theology in general um, seemed to be arguing, but it, it did not seem to be a um, uh, we, we want to come to any kind of conclusion here. We're trying to help each other come to a conclusion, but we want to argue about our own opinions. Right. Uh, and then y- your seniors, they, you know, they're, they'd already checked out. They yeah. were, they were kind of like, hey, I'm finishing this or I'm getting ready to get married. So. The environment of everybody being unified uh, that I was expecting, not to say that there wasn't unity there, but but I, I where I expected to find this place where you have new friends and, and t- together, and it just totally was not there. Yeah. Um, so, and so when I um, when I was seventeen and and uh, a senior, every year uh, the same Bible college you went to uh, had a preview weekend, and mm-hmm. that's where you can go and you can stay. And, uh, you know, essentially go to the school on like a Friday and, um, and, and a Saturday service type thing. And, um, through some family connections, uh, my, my cousin was actually uh, attending there and my, my uncle was a part of the staff in some way. And so, uh, I actually went a day early. So everyone else showed up like Friday afternoon. I showed up Friday morning and I went to classes with, um, my cousin's, um, boyfriend that now is is uh her husband which is actually uh donnie willis shout out butterman from the macy's thanksgiving day parade i saw that uh winchester uh new york so super cool about that but anyway so donnie took me with him to some of his theology classes as a senior and um i attended those classes which that was cool i got to see kind of what that was like but then um that night i stayed in the dorm with the rest of the guys differently than everyone else showing up the next day mm-hmm. from a hotel. And um, so I got my first interaction of what college life was going to, or, or, or Bible college life was going to be. And I'll never forget, um, we stayed up until one o'clock in the morning debating whether or not certain sexual sins were actually sin. Um, 
and I'm talking 30, 40 guys in a circle out in this dorm area just yeah. discussing this. And as a 17-year-old as a kid who was very sheltered, especially early on, and just had never really heard much about this topic at all, mm-hmm. was really shocked about the discussion they were having and whether or not it was biblical. And that was the discussion they chose to have the night that some kid showed up, was looking yeah. at maybe coming to Bible college. Yeah. So, so and, and therein lies the thing. And, and here's, here's the thing. To be fair, I mean, kids at, at, at certain ages are going to have different things that they're interested in. And, sure. And I mean, topics. we were talking ages 18 to like 22. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I mean, so, so it's not uncommon to, to realize that things like that are going to happen. But I think that, the shocking part is the theatrics of everything. Yeah. In the sense of, to your point, because um, I'm familiar with the preview weekends too, is you see the best of the best. Right. Because, you're supposed be- to. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're you're you know it, it it's a it's a call right to bring people in in every it doesn't matter what university when it comes to a theological seminary it is I'm sure that they have similar situations like that. Yeah. But. Um, and then what you, what you get, I think is, is especially cause just like you said, you just, you're like, you know, you'd almost expect the debate to be more around the character and nature of God, or right. maybe the debate to be around the mediatorship of Jesus Christ. Right. Or, but, but since it wasn't, right. and, and, and in my naivety and in my immaturity, like for me, it was like, that was, that I, I literally at that moment was like, I can't come to Bible college because of this. Mm-hmm. And I remember we got in the car and I told my dad, I was like, we're driving home. He's like, well, what do you think? You excited to go? And I'm like, I'm not going. Yeah. It's like, there's no way I'm going. I, I cannot go to this, uh, because, um, it, it, it would ruin my perceptive of all of these things. And blah, blah, blah. I went through this whole list. And because of that, I did not go to Bible yeah. college. And, and so to me, that was a major negative also, because, um, I missed out on theology classes that that could have taught things that I I, I wasn't able to dive into unless I did it on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, it was years later before I ever got into talking about exegesis and and and, and talking about uh, all these different theological terms that I n- had no idea existed or what mm-hmm. the difference was or um, talking about the 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 differences between salvation and different religions and and and, and people groups and and just understanding all of that. That was years later, me doing my own research or with with groups of friends getting together and doing research. That was the only way I ever got that because I, I did skip out on it because of one bad experience. And obviously, right. I'm not defending, but I'm not defending or or just giving them a pass. But like just for, from my experience, that that was what happened, you know. Well, right, and 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 that's the thing, and and that's where I would say because I've been asked so many times, I was like, you know, are you pro or negative, like. Bible college or theological seminaries or, or things like that. And and I think that my answer would be um, it's case by case and it depends. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's really a, a, I don't think that there's like one shoe that's going to fit for everyone. You know, for me personally, like looking back, you know, now I get to look back over my life for me personally. I think that because I graduated high school in three years instead of four. Yeah. I had a scholarship through the state. Um, I think that probably I should have went ahead and finished out, um, a secular degree first and then went back for a theological degree, you know, because you can have both. Sure. But at the time I didn't realize you could have both. I thought you could only have one or the other. Right. So, um, 
But again, somebody else, they may want to go get their theological degree first, and then they want to go get their secular degree after the fact. Either way, it, you know, it doesn't matter. There's not, I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong way for that. But for me personally, I think that if I would have done it that way, I probably would have ended up later on really focusing on a um, more of a, uh, 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 or I would have ended up maybe in a psychology career set mm -hmm. or, or that path maybe. Right. Because we change over time. So, um, and, and again, my experience isn't everyone's experience. I know other people that um, uh, they might have had bad experiences and maybe they just don't talk about them. I had good experiences there too. That's, yeah. that's not to say, but, and again, um, that isn't what really caused me to leave um, uh, the school when I made a decision to leave the school because I did. I had a turning point um, where I just I made the conscious decision that this is not a place for me, kind of like you did. Mine was a little bit um, different in the way that it happened. Um, but yeah, that first that first week, what I what I realized was that it was it, it wasn't going to meet my expectation. If sure. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's something that. We do to ourselves all the time. I mean, um, I, I think a lot of us do that with marriage. We also have a big mm -hmm. expectation of what marriage is. And very quickly, the reason why most people say that your first year of marriage can be rough is because you have an expectation of what it is and it doesn't end up being that, you know. Um, our expectation of what uh, a life living for God is can sometimes be very different than what mm -hmm. it actually is because we think it's going to be perfect and clean and pretty and you know, rainbows and roses. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's not. Um, it, it, I, I love the fact that you bring that out because I think that the biggest thing that I took out of that experience was setting realistic expectations. Yeah. Because later on in life, I always have set realistic expectations. Right. I mean, something as simple as uh, even my wife and I had a conversation about she's wanting to add a new hot water heater to our house. So we can have two of them. And yeah. And, and so we had the conversation the other day and it, it was just like, my thing was, is that, okay, this is something that we can do. I mean, the cost isn't, you know, really huge or anything. Uh, we're already set up. The electric's already ran, you know, I mean, all of that. But I said, you do realize that, the, that another hot water heater is not going to solve like all of the world's problems or anything, yeah. you know, we had a, we just had a conversation about what is the expectation before we make this decision. Right. And it was something simple, um, in, in the conversation. Um, and with my children, you know, my oldest, we, we sat down before he makes, uh, any decisions and it's just like, well, what do you expect to happen out of this? Yeah. You know, what is your expectation? Because I think that what we tend to do is because we have an unrealistic expectation then we really have set ourselves up for disappointment. Yeah. And then we try to mitigate the risk of the disappointment that we're going through after right. the fact. Yeah. And it just becomes this cycle that we've set ourselves up for. And in my case, I think looking back, <coughs> I can see that. But at the time, I walked away personally from, from the school very, very hurt. Yeah. And, and for years, in fact, um, uh, I won't go into all the details, but I mean, I, I know that I think I can't remember the exact amount of year. I want to say it was seven years, maybe Yeah, six or seven years, somewhere in there. But I waited to get my ministerial credentials because I was so hurt whenever I walked away yeah. from going to the, to the, to that particular school because of things that had transpired there. 
Um, and, and so I had to get over things. I had to make sure that I wasn't carrying bitterness in my heart. I had to make sure that I was, I was prepared to, um, you know, push past things, you know, so, so it created some, uh, experiences for me. So that affected me. And again, I'm not saying that that's the fault of the school. I'm saying that I, I see where I played a part in not having the right expectations. You know, for, for example, like I said earlier is, you know, having the expectation that everybody's there for the same reason. Well, some kids that were there, and I say kids, but looking back, you know, because we were just right. you know, 16, 17, 18 year old, you know, I mean, but young adults, I think is probably the, the correct term. And if, if, if I've offended anyone with that, I, that's not my intention. But, but that young adult age group is, um, you know, you're going through so many things at that point of your right. life. Um, and some of them are being sent to that school that at that time, let me take, take a step back and put myself in the shoes that I was in. Then the group that I was with, there were a lot of people who were being sent there by their parents. They didn't have a choice. Right. So they weren't there for the same reason I was there. Right. They were there because mom and dad. Yeah was like, this is your last chance to learn the, you know, what you believe or why you believe it. Or, right. So it was like and a just glorified as many, church camp. Yeah, exactly. And just as many others were sent, um, cause they were just looking for a spouse. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That was, was the, that was the joke. It was everybody. called Texas bridal college for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but, but yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, seriously, uh, the, the reasoning behind going is, is very different. Um, that's like uh, I have a, a a buddy that went to DBU um, for a theology degree, and while he was there, a young lady enrolled who is an atheist mm-hmm. for a theology degree, and like that caught him off guard. He's like, "It's one thing if it's just like we're just talking about like like Bible college, like we're just talking about like you're just going to like preach to like go a few years, learn how to be a preacher supposedly, and then go out and go preach." But no, this is like a straight up theology four to six year degree, maybe master's program you go into to get a a theology degree in specific areas. And this lady came because she was an atheist and she but she wanted to understand theology better. Um and it, it's weird that that even even like our, you know, our, again going back to our perspectives of what we expect people to do when they're coming to this, there's other people that are coming yeah. for completely different, different reasons. reasons. And that affects us. That affects how we are going to perceive um, what's happening there. Yeah. Again, it goes back to the expectation. So at the time, I mean, you know, I was, a, I was a young, you know, young and, and so my expectation, and again, I had a goal at that time of, you know, I'm going to go to Bible college because I'm going to go through this. And when I finish, I'm going to, I'm just going to start, I'm going to go out, I'm going to start preaching because that's, that's what I'm going to do. World renowned preacher. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jesus, me and Jesus, you know, right? yeah. Um, but one of the things that, that transpired too is, is, is culture changed the way that churches ran revival meetings changed. Mm -hmm. There, there, there was a lot of things that that took place through the years and where it's actually taking place at that time as well. And I remember, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of something that hurt my feelings. And, And I say that like comically, like when I would say hurt my feelings, it is, uh, what I what I mean by that, the definition is, is is just things that I did not understand. Is I had come from a worldview that said, 
if I get down on my knees and I pray and I fast and I seek the face of God, then this door is going to open for a ministry opportunity. And at that time, my idea of ministry opportunity was more pulpit focused. Right. Now, you know, take a look back more than 20 years later, that's totally different. Yeah. But um, and so I would spend all of that time in the in, in the prayer room and then the guys that were not doing different things seemed to have more opportunity. And I, sure. I couldn't reconcile that. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation with one of them and I, and I asked and he told me, he said, your problem is, is you're spending all your time in the prayer room and not meeting the other preachers. And I began to think, so you're telling me it's more important for me to know other preachers than yeah. it is to know the face of God. Yeah. And, and so again, and there's a lot that can be said on that. I, you know, I, I don't want it to sound one-sided, but I rem I'm saying put your put yourself, if you're listening to this, in the, in the seat of a 17 or an 18 year old young man who has a worldview, and and you're trying to reconcile that in right. your mind, and you, right. you're going to struggle with it for sure. And that's not going to make sense. And uh, what's funny is uh, the guy who said that was really more right than he was wrong in the sense of ministry opportunity, though. Because it does come down to a lot of the times in both the, the the spiritual world and even the business world, it comes down more to who you know than always if you're just doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're doing the right thing consistently, it's always going to pay off in the end. Mm. But in the front end, a lot of it is who you know and and who you're connected to and and that FaceTime that you're getting 100%. I, that is true, is, as frustrating yeah. as it can be to someone who – is in the prayer room all the time seeking the face of God. Yeah. So, so, so you ended up leaving Bible college. Yep. And, um, you, because I thought it would be good to, to get married. Okay. That was the real reason. Well, I mean that, no, that wasn't the real reason. <laughs> How much time you got for a podcast? Yeah. I could, I can tell you a cliff notes version of why I left. Um, uh, what, what had happened was, like I said, there was a lot of things that I didn't understand. Um, and I was having a hard time reconciling that. So, so I didn't see things going down the path that I felt that they should. I can't say that I was at that time seeking God, but I, I, what was happening is I was carrying a chip on my shoulder because of these types of things right? as, as a young person. And I was, I was getting hurt and, um, and it was at the time I, I just I, I was having a really hard time understanding that. And I had been teaching um, a lot of Bible studies at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, I had people that would meet me up at the campus that were um, uh, going through Bible studies and things like that with us. And I had always been told uh, growing up as a kid that, you know, if someone comes to faith and they feel like, you know, they need to be baptized, that, you know, we were supposed to do whatever we could to help them, yeah. you know, do that. And, uh, you know, in a campus environment like that, you don't really have a place to do it. And again, I, I tell this story just for informational purposes. I'm not saying that I think people should do, follow an example that I, I, I was setting. Right. Um, but what, what had happened was... Um, one of the uh, one of the young men who we'd 
been doing a Bible study with, and I say we because I had a group of uh, people there at the school, small group of friends who had been uh, helping me with that. Um, we had a young man that, uh, you know, he really expressed a desire to be baptized, and I had made some phone calls to try to find a church, and it was late at night, and I wasn't going to continue to call anybody else. I didn't have any keys to a church or anything. And uh, so someone pointed out that there was a small swimming pool um, behind some of the um, staff area uh, dorms that they had set up for staff. And uh, so I was like, man, you know, that's that's big enough. That's yeah. all we need, you know? Yeah. And so we went out there, we baptized him. Well, we hadn't had a chance to get back out of the pool or anything. And um, an individual came and addressed us in, in a way that I, I struggled with. Yeah. Um, and, and to be fair, you know, uh, looking back at the situation, I can understand how things probably looked and, and, and why um, he reacted in the way that he did. But, sure. but as a young person, again, I struggled with that. And um, <clears throat> so... In my mind, I, I was I had I had probably an identity crisis would probably be the best of it, which was, um, am I supposed to try to teach Bible studies? Am I supposed to pursue ministry? Am I supposed to do this because I felt and and I stress that word feel I felt that everything that I was trying evidently was wrong. Yeah. So I began to really doubt myself. I began to really think, maybe I'm not hearing God at all. I began to think, maybe this is just me uh, wanting to be involved in ministry, yeah. because evidently I have no clue what I'm doing. And, and honestly, I did not have any clue what I was doing. Yeah, uh, I just didn't realize at the time that sometimes you make a lot of mistakes while trying to, to figure it all out, you know? You can be doing the right. You can be doing the right things, and, and other people don't perceive that as. Uh, I'll tell you, I I have a, a a pastor that I was under at one time, uh, told me a story very similar to yours that he he was um, he was teaching uh, Bible studies, and uh, close to the campus he was going to, there was a bookstore, it's mm -hmm. a Christian bookstore, and um, it was not the same like you know. Uh, belief system is what he was going to school for. And so he attended or he would go to this bookstore and he would hang out in the theology section to wait for people to show up. And then he'd start asking them about what they were reading and he would start talking to them. And then if they were interested, he'd give them Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And uh, he met a guy in that bookstore talking about or wanting to find out more about baptism. And so they sat down and he taught him about baptism and um, he wanted to be baptized. He walked across the street to where the, the school was at that he was at. And did the same thing. He mm -hmm. went and he he baptized this young man and uh, got a lot of flack for it um, by the school the school uh, because in, in his case it was they he was not a uh, he was not the he was not at the right level to be able to baptize yeah. someone yeah. and 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 that's something that uh, I mean we could talk about that for a whole another hour probably but the the overall idea there though is that a lot of times I think that. When young people, younger people are at places like Bible college or just just zealous about their faith exactly. in general, yeah. they 
they want to jump in and do things and they want, they want to make waves and they want to, um, they want to make a difference. And if the generation that's after them or two generations removed is not willing to embrace that, then it gets lost in translation and it looks like rebellion or it looks like mm. something that is, is um, pushing away from uh, uh, what they've always been taught. Right. And, and that's so hard because those two generations are, it's very hard for them to see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. And I, I dealt with that. I know you've dealt with that. It, it, it can be very difficult to explain an idea and that idea to just fall on deaf ears because with, you know, no experience or with not enough experience or not, not um, being at the level where you're, you, you know, someone else thinks you're supposed to be the expectation of where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That can completely ruin a God given idea or dream because two generations can't find that middle ground. That, that's, that's so good. And I think that, I think that if, if that, if, if, if I would have realized that, and I'll tell you, I've, I've sat back often and wondered about that. I think if I could have realized that so many years before I did, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, wow, you know, because, because I do, you know, because of being hurt and not getting my, my credentials sooner, I, I look at those years that, that buildup of years that uh, that I, I really did not do anything because there, there was a period of time that I did not teach. I did not teach one Bible study and I did not try to uh, evangelize. I did not try to minister or anything, anyone uh, for six or seven years after that. Yeah. I mean, for a, for a full six or seven years. Yeah. Um, because, I you know, I was hurt and I didn't understand that for for context to add to what what you just said is today what one of the things I see today that we did not, or at least where I grew up, we did not have access to is today there is such a opportunity for team ministry to take place. Yeah. So now you can have a church where you have your staff ministry team might be five or twenty-five people, and everybody's like Nobody, nobody's fighting each other to try to baptize somebody. Let's just put it that way. It's, yeah. I, I mean, in the sense of it's like, hey, so-and-so needs, needs to be baptized. They want to be baptized or whatever. You could have a team of six or, or seven people where they're like, hey, I baptized someone yesterday, so let's let so-and-so. It, nobody's fighting to baptize the one person. And back then, you know, because we're, we're talking about more than 20 years, yeah, there was a... You know, sometimes people would go a year, if not longer, to to baptize somebody. And people, my perception was people like to be able to say they baptized people. Yeah. And so, so I think that you that 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 difference in the two generations you saw, to your point, is uh, because what what was addressed with me in that situation was 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 I went in rebellion, mm-hmm. and, and and that hurt my feelings because I was sitting there going. I never even thought about that. All I thought about was if we believe the gospel, we want people to to follow the gospel. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, you know? just for the record, I'll stop and say this is clickbait church, so I'll be clickbaity. You do not have to be a minister of the gospel to baptize someone. No. There is nowhere in the Bible that says so. There's nowhere in scripture that says it was only the ministry that was supposed to do that. Anyone can baptize someone else if they are doing it in truth and if they are doing it in the biblical method. And – it's all about the faith of both people at the same time, especially the person who's being baptized. And to mm-hmm. say that 
Um, it's rebellious to to have to 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 do it instead of going and finding a pastor or anything like that. I think is putting the the pressure on the wrong thing. Um, growing up, I remember the first time a buddy of mine whose parents were pastors uh, baptized someone. I remembered them making a huge deal about he got to baptize his first person tonight instead of putting a big deal on the fact that someone got baptized right. tonight. Why? Because to them it was a bigger deal that their son got to do it. That's not that that is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't the Bible doesn't have a list of Peter baptized 171 mm-hmm. and Paul baptized 332. Mm-hmm. No, it's just they were going around helping people get saved and baptizing them. And for us to put pressure on something else is pulling mm-hmm. the focus away from what Christ is trying to do in someone's life. And, and that's the key. And and I think that the longer I live, the more I, I look to this is in all that we do, it's the Son of God that has to be glorified, that has to receive the glory, that yeah. has to receive the honor, that has to receive all things. It's not about me. It's yeah. not about you. Yeah. The person coming, why does all of heaven rejoice when the sinner comes to repentance? Yeah, because the sinner came to repentance. Because the sinner came to repentance. Not the person who brought him there. I, I, I don't see Jesus with a, with a big whiteboard holding his, his dry erase marker right. saying, how many, how many did Chris baptize now? Yeah. Check. Yeah. Because it's all about the work that he has done right. to allow someone to come to the knowledge of him. Yeah. And, and, and I'll never forget the first time I did baptize someone that go back to that expectation thing. Um, it was weird because what I expected in my head, I guess, was was something different. And um, I was a youth pastor and I, I um, we, we had someone who uh, was just seeking after God on in, in one of our like youth nights or whatnot and decided he wanted to be baptized. And so the next Sunday we baptized him and another young person. And uh, so as the youth pastor, I got to be the one to baptize them. And I'll never forget, my pastor came to me. It was just like, hey, you know, uh, do you want to baptize them? I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I've never done that. Sure. You know, and so I'm practicing the words you're supposed to say. I look up baptisms on YouTube to see the words thing people <laughs> say to make sure you know that I say what you're supposed to say because YouTube's better than what, you know, the Bible. And uh, and so I, I, I get all ready and I'm ready to go and it gets down in the water and I'm like, all right, here we go. And so I say my words and you know, they go down and they come back up and we're praying with them. And I was like, Hmm, don't feel any different. That's weird. I I thought I was going to feel different. I thought I I baptized someone that like elevates my ministry to that next level, right? Like now people are going to start calling me and inviting me to come preach because I've baptized someone. Now someone's going to use me more because they've obviously, my ministry is greater because I'm baptizing people. Uh, no, that's not the next step in ministry. That's not the next step of being a preacher. In fact, it's not involved at all. Um, it was, when, when, when I realized that, I was able to change my perspective and so that the next time I baptized someone, it was completely different. Now, I'll tell you the one time the, – the, the time that it did change to where it was a completely different experience is when I was pastoring Anthem Church and we baptized people because when I was baptizing people that I was the one who – you know I, I knew that, that the, they were coming to the church that God pushed me to Plano to start – and they were coming to those services and God's They're giving me faith. sermons and I'm preaching and I'm watching that faith come alive in them. And they come to me and tell me they're ready to be baptized. Now, that's a completely different feeling, but it's not it's not pride in myself. It's mm-hmm. not pride uh, in my ministry or anything like that. But it was just an over. It was just 
an overwhelming feeling of gratitude uh, of what was about to happen as I baptized someone who I'd been a part of their faith journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, that perspective that people have of baptism can be so can be so jaded because yeah. of what we expect it's supposed to be. You, you know, I still to to this day, I still tear up when I see a public baptism. Yeah. Um, public baptisms are still my favorite um, ordinance to witness, to be a part of. Um, as a child, I remember uh, at the church that we were at when someone was going to make their confession of faith and, and they were going to uh, be baptized publicly all the kids in the entire church, like I'm talking like, I don't know, probably from the ages of like nine down, yeah, would like rush the front of the church yeah. all over the platform, the stage, whatever you want to call it. And we would watch it happen. And it still is just as moving yeah. to me. But again, to your to your point, is I've never thought about the person performing it. I've always, in my mind, I've always been like, this person has an experience with Jesus. Mm -hmm. This person's faith is growing deeper. This person is getting ready to, to physically show and profess their faith and their expectation and their confidence in the word of God. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, and that's the way we look at it. Right. I mean, it, it, I mean, you could do a whole podcast on 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 baptism yeah. from start to finish and, and everything. Because it is it is it, just like communion and, and everything else. These these are the things, these are the deep things that we we get. And I say we get we get to be experience we get to be a part of and share with others as we each are all on on our faith journey and growing through this. But it's um, look looking back from a ministry perspective today. Would I really change any anything? Yeah. Would I really no? And I, and I have thought about that a lot because it was the it was the heartache. Yeah. It was the hurt. Yeah. It was it was these things that that really pushed me to get over deep seated hurt over people that I love, people that I cared about. Uh, it caused me to go back and look and, like I said earlier, was this my expectation? You know, I mean, let's look at this. I, I didn't want to point blame anywhere. I, w- I wanted to sit down and really get to the root of the bottom of that experience. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and look at things. But the biggest thing, honestly, that I learned through it start to finish was that ministry is not about a podium. Preaching the word of God is not about an opportunity behind a a pulpit with a microphone in hand. Right. But true ministry is about serving. Yeah. And it was those experiences that caused me to go deeper into that and identify that the the calling and the love and the understanding that peace that was missing for me 
was that. And so in that seven or eight months, honestly, I probably was able to 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 gain knowledge that took me years and years and years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, we laugh, but it's like I've told you there was, you know, one one doctrine that I studied for like eight years of my life. So to your point, you go back and you study and you might spend like years and years and years studying deeper theology. But again, that comes with time. Yeah. That comes with as you as you grow in in God and things like that. So um that experience was it was it was just it it was life changing. It, it you know, I experienced all the emotions. Um yeah. But I honestly think that it helped me it it helped God tear down some idols in my life too. That's good. Because I had idolized men that were preachers. I had idolized what my perception of ministry mm-hmm. was supposed to be. Yeah. There were some things that God had to do in me, and he allowed my mistakes. Yeah. And he allowed, I, I, I will say, the mistakes of others, because I do think that the way that some things were handled it, sure. it was wrong. Sure. There's nothing wrong with Both that. ways, you know, um, to change all, all of that. Yeah. And, uh, and again, it's just we grow from experience, period. Well, Brandon, I think it's a good time to wrap up. Uh, we we kind of covered a, a bunch of topics there, but I think that was all really good. It all came together at the end. And uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Well, that's Clickbait Church, hosted by me, Chris Prince. I hope you're enjoying my little experiment. You can follow or subscribe to Clickbait Church on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or any other app that you use to get notified of every new episode. Check out clickbaitchurch.com for a list of your favorite podcast sources. This episode was written and produced by me. The theme music comes from Andrew Appleby. Thanks for listening. See you soon.